The Chiefs went all the way down to the field, made it 28-27, to and then the turning point in that game was the Eagles going three and out. Kadarius Toney, with the punt return, sets up the other touchdown, and now the Chiefs are up 35-27. to Well, the Eagles were able to move the ball on the Chiefs, and Jalen Hurts marches all the way down the field and scores a touchdown and gets the two-point conversion to make it 35-35. to At this point, I felt that whoever had the ball last was going to win the game. This was an exciting Super Bowl, and congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. But the holding call, this was a huge call. At the end of the game, the Chiefs were driving down the field. The Eagles stopped them on defense. The Chiefs would have kicked the field goal with about a minute and a half left to go for Jalen Hurts to either tie the game to send it to overtime or to win it at the end of regulation. Even though the cornerback for the Eagles is coming out and saying, yes, it was holding, the refs have got to swallow the whistle right there. Let it play out because that was a huge turning point that did not let the Eagles get an opportunity to get the football back, and the Chiefs pretty much kicked the game-winning field goal with absolutely no time left. I mean, five seconds, what, what can you do in five seconds? The Kansas City Chiefs win another Super Bowl, another Super Bowl for Andy Reid. I think that now he is number two behind Bill Belichick as the greatest head coach of all time. And Patrick Mahomes is having the greatest five years for an NFL quarterback in NFL history. How many more Super Bowls are the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes going to win? Well, first of all, this coaching staff is not going to be together forever. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, is going to get a job somewhere. Steve Spagnuolo is going to get a job somewhere. Andy Reid, even though he says he's coming back for 2023, he may retire in a couple of years. This could get broken up. Patrick Mahomes with that massive contract means there were a lot of holes on this Kansas City Chiefs team. I actually thought the offensive line played outstanding, but they're going to have to pay some people. The defense has a lot of holes, and the Eagles were willing to expose that I did not see anything from that Kansas City Chiefs defense, even though Jalen Hurts did get sacked twice. But what a job by Patrick Mahomes. You know, he re-injured that high ankle sprain in the first half. Nobody expected Patrick Mahomes to come out the way he did in the second half. And he was Superman. That was a heroic performance by Patrick Mahomes. And now he has silenced the critics. They wanted to write him off. They wanted to say Joe Burrow was better. They wanted to say Josh Allen was better. And then this could be the change in the guard with Jalen Hurts being a top-five quarterback. He's only 24 years old. I think that the best team in the NFL did not win the Super Bowl. This is not an all-time team. This team had a lot of holes. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs remind me of the 96 Dallas Cowboys who got lucky, caught some breaks, and Neil O'Donnell throws two interceptions to Larry Brown. The Kansas City Chiefs caught breaks when... Unfortunately, they canceled that Buffalo-Cincinnati game because if Buffalo wins that game, Buffalo's getting home field advantage. And if Cincinnati doesn't have that late hit out of bounds on Patrick Mahomes, I think that Cincinnati possibly could win that game in overtime over the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs caught a lot of breaks. What I saw in the second half of that Super Bowl was that you can't stop Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, when they're firing on all cylinders, they're a hard team to beat, even with all the holes that the Chiefs had. Because the Eagles dominated that first half with time of possession. Ran the football. Jalen Hurts was throwing the football. He had an amazing touchdown pass to A.J. Brown. And 
the catch that wasn't got reversed. That was a huge play because it was a momentum play in that game that would have put the Eagles on top, and it got reversed. I just don't think there was enough disputable evidence for that catch to be overturned. They called it a catch on the field, and they went under the hood, and the call got overturned. Anyway, the Kansas City Chiefs do win, but I don't think they're the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2023. I think that the Eagles are going to be back, the 49ers are going to be back, especially if Brock Purdy is healthy and in his sophomore season, he starts becoming an elite quarterback and continues putting up numbers that he did in his rookie season. I think that the Eagles and the 49ers are on a collision course once again to meet in the NFC Championship next year. And that regular season game, San Francisco at Philly, that is going to be the biggest game of the year next year. I think Kansas City's division has got a lot tougher. With Sean Payton and Russell Wilson in Denver, you now have Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. People don't realize what a big move that is. The Chargers are going to get better. And what if the Raiders get Aaron Rodgers? Can we crown the Kansas City Chiefs the team of the 2020s? Well, I think they got to win one more. One more Super Bowl and they can be crowned the team of the 2020s. Remember, the Seahawks were about to win back-to-back Super Bowls last decade. And I thought that they were going to be the team of the 2010s. And they were heartbroken. But the narrative would have been if Patrick Mahomes would have lost this Super Bowl, he would have been 1-2 and two in Super Bowls. But good for him. He's got two Super Bowls. He is the greatest quarterback right now, still playing, active, now that Tom Brady has retired. So we will see what 2023 plays out for both teams. I don't think both teams are going to be back. I think that Cincinnati's going to be better. I think that the Chargers are going to be better, and Jacksonville is going to be better. All right. Let's talk about the Super Bowl commercials. I'm excited about this segment. There were some funny commercials. My favorite commercial was the Pepsi Zero, Ben Stiller, Steve Martin. There were two separate commercials. The It's Just Acting, or was it? The E-Trade Babies were back. Had a little wedding reception. Pretty funny. You had the Will Ferrell electric car Netflix, where Will Ferrell was in all these Netflix commercials. But my favorite one was the Mask Scener promo where the axolotl is going to be the Mask Scener where the guy said, and whatever that thing is, an axolotl? And my kid's favorite animal is an axolotl. And I showed that to him, and it made them smile. When it comes to Super Bowl commercials, I'm always excited about movie trailers. The movie trailer for Indiana Jones, that's going to look fun. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, another new trailer. And you also have the Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts commercial. That was pretty funny. I love the P. Diddy Uber commercial where he was producing a new jingle for Uber One. And they had all these old school musicians like Kells. And they had What the Fox Said. And it was pretty funny. But here's what Billboard rated the top 10 Super Bowl commercials of 2023. You have the Megan Trainer one getting the hand stuck in the Pringles can. That was number 10. Jack Harlow, Missy Elliott, and Elton John for Doritos. Number 8, Sarah McLaughlin for Bush Light. That was the one where she's actually with a wolf instead of a dog. I mean, that was pretty funny because, you know, she deals with animal shelters. 
Uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck and Dunkin' Donuts. That was number seven. Steve Martin and Ben Stiller for Pepsi Zero. Those were two separate commercials. The Diddy with Kells, Montel Jordan, Donna Lewis, Hathaway, and Yilvis for Uber One. John Travolta, Donald Fajan, Zach Braff for T-Mobile. That was a pretty funny commercial. Ozzy Osbourne, Paul Stanley, Joan Jett, Billy Idol, and Gary Clark Jr. for Workday. That was the one where Workday kept saying, oh, you're rock stars, telling their office workers. And the rock stars got offended. Alicia Silverstone for Rakatuan. She was recreating her character from Clueless. And then Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul for Popcorners. They were recreating Breaking Bad. They were having a reunion, but they were talking about how wonderful Popcorners were and how this was his greatest invention yet. Super Bowl commercials were pretty funny. There weren't any all-time Super Bowl commercials. But overall, I liked the commercials. They were pretty funny. All right, the Super Bowl halftime show. It was Rihanna. Even though I enjoyed it, it wasn't the greatest of all time. I really enjoyed last year's Super Bowl halftime show. But Rihanna came out, played all of her hits one by one. It was a mixture of a lot of her new stuff and not as much of her old stuff, but I enjoyed Rihanna. She has always been a top performer. Okay. Let's talk about the game itself. Was this the greatest Super Bowl of all time? Not by a long shot. Look, I love the way this game went back and forth, how it was tied at 35, but if it wasn't for that call at the end, if the Eagles would have had a shot to win the game, then you could say it would be the greatest Super Bowl of all time. But the way it ended, the Chiefs did not give the Eagles a chance to even come back in that game. All right, let's switch gears because I've talked a lot about the Super Bowl here on this show. I want to remind everybody that tomorrow I'm going to start my preview for the Chattahoochee Valley Basketball Scoreboard Show. We are getting into state tournament play over in East Alabama. And we also have region tournaments in Georgia all week. And I'm also going to have my Bracketology Show. I know tomorrow is Valentine's Day. We're not going to have a show at Ivy. I'm going to try to do some shows five days a week, but they might be a little bit more condensed. So you'll probably get some best of shows for the radio station as well. Let's talk about the NBA. We had some big games over the weekend. Let's start on Saturday, the NBA showcase. Just like last year, the Lakers taking on the Golden State Warriors. The Lakers, anytime they get into a nationally televised game, They play like it's Game 7 of the NBA Finals. I know the Los Angeles Lakers did not have LeBron in that game. Well, hey, the Warriors didn't have Steph Curry. And the Warriors were playing at home. The Warriors should have won this game. But D'Angelo Russell, in his debut for the Lakers, scored 15 points. Dennis Schroeder also had 26 points. And the Lakers were playing without LeBron. But the Lakers, from here on out, are going to be in desperation mode. Because right now, the Los Angeles Lakers are two games out of the play-in game. Oklahoma City has gotten better. Utah's gotten better. I don't see any of the other teams regressing too much. Though it is going to be a struggle for the Lakers to try to get into this play-in game. Some of the other scores over the NBA during this past weekend. Uh, I'm going to start with Friday. Because the Phoenix Suns were playing without Kevin Durant. But they were able to get the road victory over the Indiana Pacers. 
And right now in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns are tied with the Dallas Mavericks for the number four seed. Sacramento is two games ahead of them. But the Kings were able to win. They picked up the victory on Saturday night, beating the Mavericks in overtime 133-128. to And congratulations to De'Aaron Fox for becoming an all-star replacement. And now Domitatus Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox are the two all-stars for the Sacramento Kings. This is the first time that the Kings have had two all-stars since Chris Webber and Peja Stojakovic. This is incredible. This is the way that the Kings need to get back to their glory days is by getting two all-stars. On Saturday, I listened to this game. Steve Holman, who's been a guest on the show, has done a great job calling the Atlanta Hawks. They win over the San Antonio Spurs 125-106, to led by DeAndre Hunter's 24 points. Keldon Johnson had 25 for the Spurs, and I think that the Spurs... If they're lucky, they still have a Hall of Fame coach. I think they'll hit a lottery pick, and they need to just build around a superstar. Like back in 97 when they got Tim Duncan. I don't know what's going on with the Spurs. Usually the Spurs are a very well-coached team. But this has been a disaster of a season for San Antonio. I mean, this once-proud franchise that won five NBA titles has one of the worst records in the league. But I think that they are headed to the lottery and could get a top five pick. We didn't have a whole lot of action yesterday because it was Super Bowl Sunday, but the Memphis Grizzlies did fall to the Boston Celtics in the primetime game on ABC. The Celtics, 119-109. to They did it without Jalen Brown. He's going to be out for a while, but the Boston Celtics have the best record in the NBA, and it is really hard to tell who is a clear-cut favorite to win it all. I still think that the Phoenix Suns are the team to beat now that they have Kevin Durant. Could it be a Phoenix-Boston NBA Finals? I also think that the Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the East if they have everybody back healthy. Philly is still trying to figure things out with James Harden, Joel Embiid, but they do have some pretty good pieces. And I don't trust Cleveland or Brooklyn in the playoffs. And Miami is just, just that type of team that just flips the switch. Which makes me look at the Atlanta Hawks, who right now are the eighth seed. They are a game and a half behind the New York Knicks. So that would be the playing game. It would be the Hawks and the Knicks. The Atlanta Hawks will take on the Charlotte Hornets tonight. And the last time the Hornets came to State Farm Arena, they beat the Hawks. This time it's going to be in Charlotte. And Charlotte is one of the worst teams in the league. Remember, this is a team that made the playoffs last year. But the Atlanta Hawks... Taking on a team that has lost seven straight games tonight. It is coming down to the wire, and this is where the Hawks have to start playing together if they want to reach their goal is to at least get to the second round of the playoffs. Yes, I think that's a legitimate goal for a team that got DeJounte Murray. They're supposed to be better this year. If they don't make it out of the first round, if they don't make it out of the play-in game, then head coach Nate McMillan is to blame. I don't think that McMillan will survive if the Atlanta Hawks don't at least get to the second round. Okay, there's a lot of college basketball action that happened over this past weekend, which some of the action has shaken things up for my new number one seeds when I have my bracketology show tomorrow. 
We had some upsets in the top five, including yesterday, Northwestern taking down the number one team in the country, the Purdue Boilermakers. Now, when the new rankings come out later today, will Purdue still be the number one team? I actually think the Houston Cougars will jump back in, and I think Alabama will be the number two team because of their impressive win on the road in a hostile environment against the Auburn Tigers at Neville Arena. That was a back-and-forth game in the Alabama Crimson Tide, 22-3. and And Brandon Miller, who only had 13 points, but he is scheduled to be a lottery pick in this upcoming NBA draft. Auburn, I don't know what's happening to Auburn. Auburn, this time last year, was the number one team in the country. They had great players like Walker Kessler Jr. and Jabari Smith. Wendell Green led with 24 points, but Auburn falls to 17-8. and They're still going to be a tournament team because they were ranked this season, but they have struggled. I don't know what is going on to the Auburn Tigers. They have dropped three straight games. And they're taking on a Missouri team. Missouri gets a huge win against the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee was ranked number six. Missouri, a buzzer beater on the road. DeAndre Golston stuns the Tennessee Volunteers. And I believe Missouri is going to be ranked and Missouri is going to be a tournament team. Some of the other action in college basketball over the weekend You had uh, Texas beating West Virginia. I think Texas is now going to be my new number one seed. Kansas beats Oklahoma. I think the winner of the Big 12 is automatically going to get a number one seed. But can two teams from the Big 12 get a number one seed? I had Arizona as a number one seed, but they lose to an unranked Stanford team that had a losing record. I know this was on the road in Maples Pavilion, but Stanford has not been irrelevant in basketball since the Collins Twins. I mean, Stanford is not very good at basketball. I know the glory days of Josh Childress and Brevin Knight, and Stanford did reach the Final Four in 1998. I mean, hey, I'm from California. I know all about Stanford basketball. That was a huge upset. Some of the other upsets, Oklahoma State beating Iowa State at home. And so my Bracketology show is going to be very interesting tomorrow. Some of the local action. How about the Georgia Bulldogs? Now, they struggled a little bit, but Mike White, you got to give him credit for turning this program around. But anytime they play Kentucky, it is a hot ticket at Stegman Coliseum. They came out to play in front of a packed house, beating the Kentucky Wildcats, who are now a bubble team. Kentucky falls to 16-9 and after the Bulldogs beat them at Stegman Coliseum 75-68. to Now, Georgia is 15-10. and They will take on LSU on Tuesday. They just got to rattle off a couple of more wins, and I think the Bulldogs at least get into the NIT. But that was a big win for the Georgia Bulldogs. And congratulations to Coach Mike White, who's really turned around this program. Georgia only won six games last year, and now the Georgia Bulldogs are starting to look like an exciting brand of basketball. And Harry Roberts, coming off the bench, only scored nine points. It was a team effort, but Caro Aquindo, who's averaging 13 points a game, 
was the high score for the Bulldogs with 21 points. Now let's talk about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, they played on the road against Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest does have a winning record, but they lose 71-70. to It was a heartbreaker for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who are having a disaster of a season as they are 9-16 overall, hosting Virginia Tech this Wednesday at McCamish Pavilion. But Georgia Tech, their ACC record is atrocious. 2-13 in the ACC play. I can recall in the last 10 years, Georgia Tech does not do well in the ACC. Yeah, they got hot a couple of years ago and they got into the NCAA tournament after winning the ACC tournament. But Georgia Tech, I have said it on this show over and over again, that Georgia Tech has underachieved in the last 20 years, and they're not even the second best team in the state. That, my friend, is the Kennesaw State Owls. How about those Kennesaw State Owls picking up their 20th win, more wins ever in their program history, beating Jacksonville State 74-71, to at the Convocation Center. And when I look at Kennesaw State, you know, they're drawing about 2,000 fans at these games. When you're winning, you start becoming irrelevant and you start getting the fans to pay attention to you. But this Thursday night, this will be the biggest game at the Convocation Center since that game against Georgia Tech back in 2010. They will take on Liberty who is 21-6. They have the better record in the Atlantic Sun. If Kennesaw State wins this game, they're going to win the regular season championship. And then when we get into conference tournament play, they're going to at least get an NIT bid because that will be an automatic bid into the NIT. So there is a possibility that the Kennesaw State Owls will have postseason for the 2022-2023 season. All right, I'm going to look at the Sun Belt because we do have some other local teams here in Georgia that I like to talk about. Georgia Southern beating Arkansas State 68-53. And Marshall beating Georgia State in that new arena in downtown Atlanta 88-77. Georgia State is now 10-16 overall. I know they miss Ron Hunter. Ron Hunter was such a great coach. And Georgia State had many moments with Ron Hunter And they had two tournament appearances, including an upset over Baylor. And Georgia State is not the same program. I like to see Georgia State do well. And another team that I like to see do well in the state of Georgia is the Mercer Bears. Remember Mercer making it to the NCAA tournament and upsetting Duke in 2014. I like to follow Mercer and I like to see where they are going as on Saturday... Mercer went all the way up I-75 to Chattanooga, which I've been in that arena. The Chattanooga Mocs, who have had a pretty good team that's made tournament runs, they have a very good fan base. They did beat the Mercer Bears 73-56. to Jalen McCreary did have 16 points for the Bears. Mercer, 12-15 and overall. They will take on Wofford this Wednesday. And now we got to talk about the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars. Now, this is NCAA Division II, but we have a local team here in the Fountain City that plays at the NCAA Division II level, and that is the Columbus State Cougars and 
Lady Cougars. I know I didn't talk a whole lot about women's college basketball, but I just want to throw in that South Carolina did beat LSU on Sunday, and that was a battle of two incredible women's college basketball programs. And South Carolina also beat UConn. I think South Carolina can go back-to-back. That's what Don Staley is doing, an incredible job over there by the Lady Gamecocks. But Columbus State, they fall to their rival Clayton State, 66-63 in Morrow, Georgia. The Columbus State Cougars are now 13-11 overall, 6-8 in the Peach Belt. Jelani James was the leading scorer for the Cougars with 24 points. They will take on their other geographical rival. They will take on the Hurricanes this Wednesday. You can catch that game on 88.5, as always. The Columbus State Lady Cougars fell to Clayton State 82-62. Led by Amelia Tenbrock's 22 points, the Lady Cougars are now 14-8 overall, 8-6 in the Peach Belt. They will also play Georgia Southwestern on Wednesday at the Lumpkin Center. We have got three more regular season games left at the Lumpkin Center. A perfect opportunity to come out and catch some Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars basketball. LaGrange College dropped a heartbreaker at the Mariotti Gymnasium against Bellhaven, 71-70. And then on Friday, they lost to Berea, 80-73. So a two-game losing streak, losing two games at home. And the basketball team... For LaGrange, is now 15-9 overall and 7-4 in the CCS. Their next game is Wednesday on the road, the final regular season game of the year as they will travel to take on Covenant. The Collegiate Conference of the South tournament play will take place next week, February the 22nd. So, The Lady Panthers had two games over the weekend. Starting on Friday, they were able to defeat Berea 74-59. And then on Saturday, they fell to Bellhaven 82-67 as the Lady Panthers fall to 17-6 overall, 11-3 in the Collegiate Conference of the South. They will travel up to Lookout Mountain, Georgia on Wednesday, February the 15th to take on Covenant tip-off at 5 p.m. And as always, you can listen to the game on 99.1. This is the flagship station for LaGrange Athletics. Now I'm going to make the transition to Columbus State Baseball. They did pick up the sweep over Spring Hill. Well, they do have a remake game that's going to be played today, but they beat Spring Hill 7-0 and 6-5, and the Columbus State Cougars Riding a five-game win streak, they are 5-1 and one on the season. Right now, the two top hitters are Isaac Bowden and Matthew McDade, both leading the team with a 375 batting average. I'm just excited. I'm talking about baseball in February because we have pitchers and catchers reporting in about a week. This is incredible. We got college baseball going on. We got high school baseball going on. It is absolutely incredible here in the Fountain City, and as I continue having my shows this week, I will deep dive into just about every single one of them. All right, let's talk about the Columbus River Dragons. Not the result they wanted. I think they wanted to go for the sweep, obviously. They wanted to go for the sweep against their rival, the Carolina Thunderbirds. 
They did lose to Carolina on Friday night at the Columbus Civic Center, but they bounced back on Saturday and got the 4-3 win. However, the River Dragons are 2-4 and four against Carolina this year. The River Dragons split the series with Carolina this past weekend, and they are now 28-6-2 overall with 82 points. They are five points ahead of the second-place team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League, the Danbury Hattricks. They actually will take on the Delaware Thunder for a three-game series this weekend. So you get hockey games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Columbus Civic Center. And as always, you can catch those games on YouTube. Tom Callahan is going to be on the call. He does a great job doing play-by-play. Still trying to get him on the show. I've had the general manager, Scott Brand, on the show. I mean, I've had Jay Krupp. I've had several people associated with the River Dragons on this show because they understand that I talk River Dragons hockey here on this podcast. Your leading goal scorers for the Columbus River Dragons is Jacob Kelly. He has got 31 goals, followed by Alex Storjahan with 21, and Cody Wickline with 14 goals. Good luck to the Columbus River Dragons the rest of the way. I've also had the PA announcer here on the show, Dana Barker. He's been on the show. He is the PA announcer for the Columbus River Dragons. Does All right, we did have some action over the weekend in high school basketball. I was on the campus of Shaw High School. I was the public address announcer for their senior night. The Shaw Raiders and Lady Raiders were taking on the Westover Patriots and Lady Patriots out of Macon. It was just such an incredible atmosphere. As they get ready to go into region tournament play this week, I will go ahead and I will break down the action. They're going to be on the road. The Shaw Raiders are going to be in Bainbridge. And the Shaw Lady Raiders are going to be right here in Columbus on the campus of Hardaway. As Hardaway was the top team in the region. Over in Alabama, we had region championships. The 7A Area 4 Boys Championship, the Central Red Devils, win it against the Auburn Tigers. Both teams are headed to the state tournament. For 7A, that will happen this week as the Central Red Devils will take on Daphne and the Auburn Tigers are going to take on Fairhope. Now for the girls, 7A Area 4, the Auburn Lady Tigers get the win over the Central Lady Red Devils, but both teams are going to get bids into the state championship, and this is where we get to see the talented freshman Jabril Lindsay for the Central Lady Red Devils. So good luck to both teams in the state championships. The Valley Rams take their perfect, undefeated, regular season into the state championship for 5A. Valley wins their first region tournament since 2014. Valley, 28-0 overall. A perfect record after getting a huge win over Tallahassee on Thursday night, 75-48. to They will take on Silicaga in the first round of the 5A state tournament. The Eufaula Tigers are also in the state tournament for 5A. For 4A, you have the Hanley Tigers. And just looking at the teams from the Chattahoochee Valley that are representing Alabama in the state tournament, 3A, you've got Dadeville and Randolph County. In 2A, you have Lynette. And then over in 1A, you have Lochapoca. So 
I want to talk about the Glenwood Gators. The Lady Gators and Glenwood Gators made history at the multiplex at the Cramden Bowl on Friday night. The Lady Gators did fall to Clark Prep Academy, so their bid to three-peat fell just a little short. But the Glenwood Gators, congratulations, state champions, head coach Dusty Purdue, who has got two talented basketball teams. He's the head coach for both teams. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But the Glenwood Gators, I mean, not only did they get the huge upset against Lee Scott Academy, which was a team that we all thought that they were going to win the state championship because they had such a dominant season. Glenwood wins their first state championship since 2017, and they win it on a buzzer beater against Macon East. And Beam had the call, and what an outstanding job that the play-by-play announcer that they got to call the state championship game did, making the call as Brandon McCrane puts up the shot and Glenwood wins on a buzzer beater. And I just loved watching that highlight footage over and over again. The Glenwood Gators are your state champions. And I'm proud to say that during the season that they won the state title, I had the privilege of calling two Glenwood games with Thrift Barringer. We called the Border Wars, where Glenwood lost to Southland Academy. And then a couple of weeks ago, we called the game against Abbeville Christian, which Glenwood won. So I am proud to be part of the Glenwood broadcast team. I could say that with a lot of pride. But as great as that announcer was, And I did meet him. He's a good guy, and he's very experienced. And I'm glad that he was able to call the championship game for Glenwood. However, I would have loved to have called the game with him. Look, I know I was calling the Shaw-Westover game Friday night. But the relationship that I've had with Beam for the past year, it's been great. I've called football games with them. And I mentioned that I was interested in calling basketball for CTV Beam. And they actually said they didn't need me for basketball. And so when I was watching the broadcast, I thought to myself, I really would have loved to have called the game. That's just my opinion. But I'm happy that Glenwood won the state championship. I'm happy for the broadcaster that was able to call the game. That's a moment that you will cherish for the rest of your life. Anytime your alma mater wins a state championship and it's you that gets to call the game, that is just an adrenaline that will live on for the rest of your life. And I'm super proud that he was able to do that. That is why I applied for media credentials for the NAIA World Series because last year my alma mater, Freed Harmon University, was in the NAIA World Series for softball I asked them if I can call the games. And they said, well, we can't let you do that because of of copyright infringement. And I said, well, can I apply to be an announcer to call these games? So that's exactly what I did. I also applied to be an announcer for the NFHS network, which I have yet to hear back from them. That is neither here or there. I know that broadcasting is tough. I know that there are going to be heartaches and disappointments, but I'm just thrilled 
that I'm able to get the opportunities that I was able to get. But the one thing that they cannot take away from me is that I'm the voice of the Columbus Rapids and that I can always have with me. Now, that doesn't mean that people can fill in for me every now and then, especially with my busy work schedule, because I do have a full-time job. But I'm super excited that I am the one that gets to call the Columbus Rapids soccer games, and the best is yet to come. The Columbus Rapids will play the Tampa Bay Strikers on Wednesday, February the 22nd at the Columbus Civic Center. That's actually their next game because that road game on the 19th has been moved to April and I'll get to call the Columbus Rapids and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I tell you, this is going to be a busy week of high school basketball. I know that Thrift Barringer is going to be busy calling St. Ampicelli games and I'm curious to see what games he is going to call as well because Spencer is hosting the region tournament this Friday and Saturday. You got the Hardaway Girls that are hosting their region tournament. I think it's kicking off on Wednesday. I'll try to get the full schedule. St. Ampicelli still got regular season games. They're taking on Strong Rock Christian. By the way, an outstanding job by Thrift Behringer calling that Pacelli-Brookstone game. The Lady Vikings and Vikings, they both won. And I think that the St. Ampicelli Vikings are just poised to win a state championship. And there is somebody, if there's anybody that's deserving of calling a game and watching the team that he's the play-by-play announcer for win a state championship, it's Thrift. Because he does an incredible job streaming these basketball games on Facebook Live. And I am super privileged that he has asked me a couple of times to help him out. Now, I want to set the record straight here on the show so so that there is no confusion. Many of you were wondering why I was going Facebook Live last week at the Shaw Hardaway game. Well, it's because I need the practice. But, you know, they say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. I love what Thrift Behringer does, broadcasting the games on his phone on Facebook Live. And I want to be a part of what he's doing and make sure that he gets all the credit because he paved the way. He did it from the beginning, and I love it. I love calling games with him, but it is so difficult to do play-by-play and PA announcing at the same time. So this past Friday, I just focused on PA announcing. Mainly it's because my youngest daughter was with me, and I just let her use my phone to watch Netflix. But just a big shout-out to the, the scorekeeper, for Westover, who was sitting right next to me at the scorer's table, who really befriended my daughter and and let my daughter sit behind her. And so I really appreciate your hospitality. And, you know, my daughter's first basketball game was at a Shaw basketball game, and we had a lot of fun. And I was glad that I got to spend time with her because as I do this broadcasting, I want to make sure that I'm balancing it out, that I'm spending time with family and also being allowed to call these games as I do, you know, sometimes I get the best of both worlds and sometimes uh, my two girls can attend some of these sporting events with me. Okay, just want to tell you what is going on this week. My guests are up in the air. I'm not going to get on this show and tell you who's going to be on the show because it varies from week to week. There are some weeks where I have a lot of guests, and then there are some weeks like, you know, the week after the Super Bowl, where there's not a whole lot of traction going on. 
And I admit, I've had guests that had to cancel on me because they've had work obligations, and that's fine. But my big thing is, I just want to be consistent. And if you want to be a guest on the show, feel free to message me on my Facebook or Twitter. Because I'm a pretty approachable guy, and I want to give you the best show possible. I love doing this show. I've been doing it here at the radio station in Noonan 99.1 for a little over a year now. I was actually listening to some of the shows that I was doing the day after the Super Bowl. I went back into the archives 2020, 2021, and 2022, and I wanted to hear the content to see what could I do better as a broadcaster. Because when I started doing broadcasting back in 1999, I didn't really think that it was going to be anything from it. I thought that I was just doing it for fun. I love sports and I love going to sporting events. And why not attend a sporting event and call the game while you're there? I'm always reminded of that Seinfeld bit where George Costanza tells Jerry that he would like to be a sports announcer because remember that he made those interesting comments at the game and and Jerry with boldness tells George you know they kind of give those jobs to ex-ball players you know people in broadcasting and then George says well that's not fair oh I love it it was so funny no I'm legit I am a broadcasting major I was a broadcasting major in college. I went to the Defense Information School at Fort Meade, Maryland. I was eight years in a mobile public affairs detachment. I was writing sports articles. I was also producing sports videos, documentaries. I've had a lot of guests, and I was going back and listening to the documentaries that I did with Dave Plata. Brilliant. I, I actually, I, I got to admit, they are brilliant. And I feel like my work speaks for itself. What I'm trying to say is, I hope you enjoy this podcast because I put my heart and soul into it every day. I'm out there hustling, grinding five days a week because I want to make sure that there is local sports content here in Columbus. So with that being said, thank you everybody for listening. I would like to thank everybody out there who has downloaded my podcast. Don't forget, you can like, subscribe to my Facebook and Twitter, and you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget that I will have a show tomorrow, no live show at Ivy because it is Valentine's Day. I'll make sure that I don't forget Valentine's Day tomorrow, but it's also going to be a time where we can just break down the bracketology and all the high school area tournaments going on in Georgia and the state tournaments in Alabama. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and I am out of here. Bye. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.